y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, from NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, Glenn Weldon and Linda Holmes. All right, let's start the show. Linda's already dancing. Yeah, I love that. Every time I get to hear Aunt Betty say my name, it's my whole Friday is fixed. Oh, yeah. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Here with two great guests today, Linda Holmes, host of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, Glenn Weldon, panelist on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. And we're joined in studio by a man who has been number one on the American iTunes charts. His name is Chris Wu. Have you heard of him? I have. I have. So you know the story. I, I do know the story. It's drama. Tell the story. It is drama. Well, first, let's hear this music because it sounds like it was made in a factory. Like if you ran Top 40 Radio through a blender, <laughs> you'd end up with this. Yeah. My, my Our buddy Stephen Thompson, also on Pop Culture Happy Hour, used to say that the music of uh, Black Eyed Peas sounded like it was made by robots to sell things to other robots. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. This is that. This is robot selling music. So, anyways, Chris Wu is this Chinese Canadian artist who was going to be a big deal when his album dropped in China. But his label said that they wanted to drop the album in the U.S. a few days before it dropped in China. As soon as the album came out in the U.S., seven or eight of the songs on the album shot to the top of the iTunes charts, beating Ariana Grande in her new song, Thank You Next, which was expected to be number one for a long time. So, everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? His label and supporters tried to say, well, you know, this is just an issue of Chinese fans really, really wanted his music so bad that they VPNed into American iTunes uh-huh. to buy the songs. And everyone's like, all of these Chinese fans <laughs> have VPNs and used it just to get his songs on iTunes? I don't know. Uh-huh. So then Scooter Braun, who's Ariana Grande's manager, said, this sounds fishy, but then he took it back. And finally, there's been some reports um, in Variety magazine that say some well-placed insider sources says that these album sales were acquired fraudulently. Mm. The devil, you say? Isn't that crazy, though? It is What crazy. can you trust? It is crazy. And I, and I do think that there is going to come a point where you realize that anything that can be gamed will be gamed. And so that's why, yeah. like, IMDb ratings are meaningless. Yeah, and, Rotten Tomato uh, exactly. things are... It's, it's like anything that people can swarm in bad faith, they will swarm in bad faith. So you just have to be very... You know, you just have to listen to the people you know personally, like me and Glenn and right. you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Chris Wu, I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That song, <laughs> if you care, was called mm-hmm. "Deserve." Mm-hmm. Ah, see, fitting. Yeah. Irony. It is kind of fitting. <laughs> All right, my two guests are here with me to look back over the week of news and headlines and stuff, big and small. And I'm so happy that today we're going to try out. A brand new segment. Woo! Linda mm-hmm. knows about this. I tweeted about it for a while. I wanted to try it. This segment is called I Don't Care. I Don't Care! I made him do that. I should have expected it, <laughs> but yet I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. So we will use this segment in place of our three-word segment this week. And basically, the rule of I Don't Care is you got to come with one story from the week that you don't care about and then tell us a story that we actually should care about. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing us two stories. Got mm-hmm. it. 
Glenn, you're going first. All right. Uh, do you know what Oumuamua is? That's the alien spaceship that's going to kill it's us all? exactly not that. It is a <laughs> giant asteroid the size and shape of a skyscraper, which makes it unusual. It's also uh, the first object we have found that has come from interstellar space. Yeah. Uh, it is traveling faster than scientists think it will, so scientists at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics uploaded a paper. Notice I didn't say published. That will turn out to be important. Uploaded a paper <laughs> in which they conjectured about several possible reasons why. Yes. Uh, and that's not the headline because that's no kind of story at all. Here's the headline. And to quote, be clear, so, so that I get it right in my mind. Apparently, they think it's something different and weird because it's going too yes. fast. Going yes. too fast. Also, doesn't have Keplerian motion. Not not important. What's I'm not important ask is what Keplerian motion is. <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter. What happened? It turns out in this unpublished. Non-peer-reviewed paper. Where did they post it? They just posted Tumblr? it on, on a website. <laughs> what in the world? Uh-huh. It's an Instagram post. It totally is. Very <laughs> in the middle of the discussion section. Uh, they actually write, the scientists actually write, quote, Alternatively, a more exotic scenario is that Oumuamua may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth vicinity by an alien civilization. They're saying... Maybe this could be aliens, but they're we saying, don't know. Yeah, they're saying we can't rule out aliens. That would that, be well, one that's way always this could happen. in life. Well, exactly. Yeah. That is the point. There is no hypothesis here that can be uh, uh, supported or or undercut by any kind of evidence we can gather. It is the astroscience equivalent of looking at a cloud and going, "That's a pony." So if we shouldn't care about this story this week, if you don't care about this story this week, really what don't. do you care about? All right. This is also a science story, but it's much more down to earth, literally. Yes. So with Tuesday's Slip of the House, the House of Representatives Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. Sounds like a fun committee. Will, it's hugely important. Will yeah. likely be chaired by Eddie Bernice Johnson, the ranking Democrat okay. on, the, on the committee. She is from your own Texas, yeah. 30th District, uh, okay. Dallas and Environs. She was the first registered nurse to be elected to Congress. Huh. She will be the first woman to chair this particular committee. She will be the first person of color to chair this particular committee. And I think probably most important, uh, she will be the only chair of this committee with any kind of a STEM background Mm. since 1995. Uh, Now, that's significant because this particular committee has oversight over NASA, the Department of Energy, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, National Weather Service, EPA, National Science Foundation, FEMA, many, many more. Okay, so it's important to have somebody who knows what they're doing chairing this committee. It's also a huge deal because this committee, since about 2012, Uh has uh, uh, adopted a stance on the science of global climate change that might be best termed a defensive crouch. They don't use the phrase anymore in some of the They don't. It's been a very active committee on global global climate change, but not in the way you might think. Google that to see what I mean. But mm-hmm. what does that mean going forward? Well, here's what could happen. Here's what this change means. Uh-huh. Let's say, for example, and this would never happen, but let's say, for example, that some international body, like, say, the United Nations, mm-hmm. uh, came out with some kind of, I don't know, landmark report warning that if we don't do something about global climate change Why pretty soon- Why would they do that? I know, uh, that the Earth is basically- doomed. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, a report like that being slapped to the ground and covered with dirt and having the committee back away with its hands in its pockets, whistling, going, I, I, I didn't see anything, what we might have is maybe not an embrace of a report like that, but at least a solid intellectual engagement with a report mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So this, is, uh, this is a bigger science story. This is a bigger science story. Linda, why is it that in the culture, the sensational science stories that are gobbledygook are eaten up by the public, and the real stories are just forgotten about. Well, I think one reason, and this is sort of relevant to Glenn's alien thing, which, by the way, that's the story I also wanted. I from know. My we have to tell you no. I'm sorry. Um, 
One issue is that real science, I think, tends to be incremental. Real mm-hmm. science tends to go a little tiny bit at a time. And you mm-hmm. have to prove the first like thing that barely seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little bit of a promise that something else might be true. And then you pursue that. And you and have to do a sexy. lot of boring things. Yeah. And a lot of times things that look like they might be true turn out not to be true. And you learn about that later. So every time you publish something in science, if you're really being honest, you have to, to couch it a lot. People don't like headlines that say... There's a small possibility that if we study this for another 10 years, we might get a promising, you know, we might really learn something. Yeah. So I think the reason is it's so incremental that it's hard to write headlines. Do you secretly hope it's aliens? I saw I saw a rival. <laughs> it makes me a little nervous. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have an I don't care. Okay. And this week, I don't care about any of the conventional wisdom and the hot takes that would say that Democrats fizzled or really didn't win you Mm -hmm. know because this week we had the midterms democrats took back the house but failed to take back the senate the next day donald trump comes to the podium and declares victory and there were these think pieces about how the democrats really couldn't put fire in the belly but one number made me say don't care about that there's a whole nother story that no one's focusing on If you look at the actual numbers for who voted for the Senate and who voted for the House, um, in the House, there were 45.8 million votes for Democrats, 33.7 for Republicans. In Senate votes, there were 51.7 million votes for Democrats and only 47.6 million for Republicans. Mm -hmm. Pound for pound, vote for vote. Democrats actually won it all Yeah, by virtue of the states they won in and how the Senate is comprised. They didn't take the Senate, but they got more votes. Well, and it's trickier with the Senate because not all the seats were up, right? So you have certain Democratic, um, existing Democratic seats that were up Mm -hmm. where, you know, obviously you get a ton of votes. Yeah. um, You know, more populous states up for for Democrats in those states. Yeah. So I don't care about those narratives about Democrats fizzling. What I do care about is the Democrats math or I guess geography problem. Mm. So this is an this is another election where they won by millions of votes mm-hmm. and still didn't really win. Um and this only changes if Democrats stop living in big cities and move all across the country. Like right now the numbers just don't add up and they are like the political equivalent of like movie pass. Yeah. Like the numbers are never gonna work because mm-hmm. the things aren't in the right places. And like no one is talking about what it would actually take to have a real blue wave that could win across the country. Like you need to put Brooklyn in Kansas. You need to put Silver Lake in North Dakota. (laughs) And no one wants to do that. Yeah. I think also there's a magnified effect from stricter and stricter controls on who can vote sort of officially through Mm -hmm. legal restrictions and unofficially through the logistics of voting, which have become much more difficult in certain places, certainly post um, the striking down of elements of the Voting Rights Act. I think that you have seen a lot of changes to how easy it is to Mm -hmm. vote. And when you compare, when you combine those things with gerrymandered districts, you get something where, yes, on the one hand, this is a geography issue, but it's also an issue about making it possible for as many people as possible to vote. Yeah, and I'd love to uh, not be the guy who gets up on the soapbox here, but, you know, I'm a resident of of Washington, D.C., the district, and uh, Mm -hmm. there are more people uh, in my district than there are in Wyoming, than there are in Vermont, and yet we have no senator, uh, no representative. But you're going to get Amazon HQ, too. We are going to get the water. There oh, we we'll are. Get to it, we'll get to we'll that. Get to it. We won't get it. Northern Virginia will, but still. You'll get still, the higher rent prices. We certainly will. There you go. <laughs> 
Uh, Linda. Yeah. The moment I've been waiting for. Yeah. The first inaugural I Don't Care segment. Yeah. With Linda's contributions. Yeah. What do you not care about this week? So I am here for some counter-programming, right? <laughs> I love it. You guys both got around to politics. Although you talked a lot about politics, which I, I loved. I did used to, 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 to work it. in some yeah. of that stuff, yeah. yeah. What I don't care about this week is Alec Baldwin. I'm going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> I don't care about that I cool do either. not care about Alec Baldwin. For some reason, there came a moment where we were suddenly supposed to care about what Alec Baldwin had to say as mm-hmm. a person, despite the fact that he has had various run-ins with the paparazzi. And, he has an anger uh, management problem. He has seemed to have some issues with anger and other things that have made me not particularly think I would yes. want to hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, now, they gave Alec Baldwin a talk show on ABC, uh, which was which airing. Which I had no idea. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people didn't. And it was airing on Sunday nights. And they moved it. Uh, this week after a couple of airings that had very, 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 very low ratings. Uh-huh. They moved it from Sunday nights to Saturday nights. And I was if watching you, TV on Saturday if night? If you know anything about television, uh, that's banishment right there. <laughs> so he is, I think, uh, falling off the radar. There's I just a- don't care. He constantly yeah. threatens to quit whatever he's currently doing. Yeah. It's like when Brett Favre kept unretiring from right. the football. There's a cottage industry in giving Alec Baldwin another chance. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just something that is an yeah. infrastructure set up for him. Yeah. He also hosted Match Game, like the, the remake of Match Game, and he's not the guy. He, exactly. doesn't, have, he doesn't have the so, yeah. whatever. So then if we shouldn't care about Alec Baldwin, what uh, celebrity should we care about? All right. Now we're in for some real <laughs> counter-programming. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now we got to stretch. Linda's flexing. We got to stretch. Ready. She's we gotta cracking stretch. her Bring virtual it. knuckles. Bring it. Here's what we should care about. Okay. This week, Idris Elba was mm-hmm. named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as you may know, Idris Elba, uh, who came to a lot of people's attention on The Wire, where he was so wonderful, he was in a lot of films. What I love about it is it would have been one thing if Idris Elba had been named Sexiest Man Alive during a period in which it sometimes felt like Idris Elba was the sexy black actor who was yeah. getting opportunities yeah. that might make position you to be Sexiest yeah. Man Alive. There was a time when when people were trying to say Hollywood should be less racist. It would always be Idris Elba should play XYZ yes. role. Yes. Because those roles were not being very widely given. And what makes me really happy is seeing Idris Elba get this great honor. Great honor. And well deserved. <laughs> um, when you also have uh, Michael B. Jordan, who oh, could yeah. who could easily be in the running for this, in the next few years, I can imagine that being Stefan James, who is about to make everybody cry, and if Beale Street could talk. Oh. Um, also, Daniel Kaluuya, who is in Get oh, Out yeah, yeah. and is about to be in Widows. Brian Tyree Henry, who is yeah. doing a bunch of interesting things. There are a bunch of guys who are getting the kinds of roles that start to put you in that position. Yeah. And I, it makes me even happier to see Idris Elba win this now mm-hmm. when it is purely lust-based <laughs> than it would have been to see it at a time when it sometimes felt... felt like charity. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. because there's no question that People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive has been an incredibly white undertaking. There's only been three non-white guys. For many, many years. Uh, Denzel Washington has been. The Rock has been. Okay. Um, but it has been an incredibly white undertaking. Yeah. What did he tweet when he won? It was super cute. It was like, thanks for this honor, but don't forget to go vote. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like, this is super great. Also, you know what means even more? Your vote. Uh Yeah, no, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. Love him. All right, uh, it's time for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Amazon and one of their new headquarters. They picked two, it turns out. Uh, We'll talk to a resident from one of those new headquarters in Crystal City, Virginia. You're listening to It's Been a Minute. We'll be right back. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. Tito's is distilled from corn and naturally gluten-free, spreading the love one drop at a time. For recipes, videos, and more, visit them at titosvodka.com. Crafted to be savored responsibly. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka. Fifth generation ink. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Support for this podcast and the following message come from CLR Bath & Kitchen. Which two rooms in your house get the most use? If you said the kitchen and the bathroom, you're not alone. And keeping these rooms clean is a never-ending job. CLR Bath & Kitchen makes it easy. Its fast-acting spray makes everything sparkle and gleam. From faucets and shower doors to porcelain and stainless steel. Without phosphates, ammonia, or bleach. It even carries the EPA's Safer Choice Seal. Trust CLR Bath & Kitchen, making the world a little cleaner. By midday on November 6, 1985, Colombia's Palace of Justice in Bogota was a battleground. Guerrillas held dozens of hostages, and the army had the buildings surrounded. What happened that fateful day? This week on Radio Ambulante. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests for a pop culture happy hour takeover of this show. Linda Holmes, host of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, is here with me today, as is Glenn Weldon, panelist on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Uh, Before we get to the next news thing, I want to ask if you have seen the Kickstarter campaign for a device called the Master Sue. I have not. No. Spell it. S-O-U-S. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So, but this is, according to the Kickstarter campaign, a Wi-Fi connected multi-cooker that can sous vide, deep fry, simmer, sear, saute, boil, steam, and slow cook. But the craziest part is it'll stir the food for you. Hmm. We got that. <laughs> <laughs> what have we come to? That's the whole point of, of cooking things is that to get you stir. To stir. Yeah. You stir. You, you know, I like a... I like a device that, that removes work, but I like the stirring. Right. That's, that's part like, of it. My clothes smelling like chili for three also, days. Also, yeah. why do I need Wi-Fi to have this device do anything? I'll tell you. I'll <laughs> okay. tell you. I will tell you. <laughs> right. I have a Wi-Fi connected sous vide thing. Why, Linda? What? Hey, don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I have a Wi-Fi connected sous vide thing. And what it means is you can theoretically, from work, uh, start it cooking nanny mm. cam for your food nanny cam for your food yeah have you done like, this before yes what did you last do that with i have made fish in it i have made chicken in it so what is this doing to the anxiety of did i leave the oven on because <laughs> basically you, you are facilitating that that's yeah. your you, thing that's your life now yeah the well, oven is always on no but what i'm saying is i can look at my phone and find out whether the sous vide thing is on or not mm. did you order your wi-fi sous vide on amazon uh, yes, I did. There we okay, go. Okay, good segue. Because we're about to talk about Amazon, uh, the company that I love to hate, to love and hate at the same time. Uh-huh. Amazon is in the news this week because reports have indicated that after this big hunt for HQ2, uh, they're going to have two, one in New York somewhere and the other outside of D.C. in Crystal City, Virginia. So today we're calling up someone who lives in Crystal City for our long distance segment. That's where we talk to folks about the news in their neck of the woods. I called up Justin Chapman this week. He lives in Crystal City and I asked him to tell us all about his town and why its history could make it an especially good fit for a company like Amazon. 
How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm in the district. You are south of me in Virginia. Yep, just across the river. And what do you do out in Crystal City? So I am the director of sales for a travel technology company, and uh, we provide uh, travel technology to corporate travel programs around the world. Cool, cool. You know what? I'm, I guess I should have you describe Crystal City for a lot of listeners who perhaps have not thought about Crystal City until the Amazon news this week. How would you describe your fair town? <laughs> well, it certainly is an interesting area. You know, most people in the greater Washington region think of Crystal City as a backwater of government offices, you know, <laughs> from the 60s and 70s. Because well, wasn't and it designed as like a big office park? Essentially, yes. You know, <laughs> in the mid-century, you know, uh, the, the government wanted to have a place to consolidate their offices outside of the district mm -hmm. and also include some, you know, very modernist, at the time, uh, residential buildings mm -hmm. to have a place for those workers to live. But this area has, you know, experienced a downturn, you know, since 2000, you know, the, the Naval Air Command, the Patent Office, and a lot of other government contractors have actually left Crystal City. Why did they leave? Um, you know, it was mainly tied to the BRAC, if you remember BRAC, the base realignments. Uh, there were a lot of closures. Mm -hmm. There's been new office space coming on the market. And just a lot of factors have come together to impact Crystal City. And that base realignment and closure or BRAC that you mentioned, that was a big effort to close and consolidate a bunch of military bases and offices back in the mid-2000s. Uh, how did you feel when you heard the news that Amazon was going to have one of its HQ2s in Crystal City? Thrilled. Um, <laughs> okay. But also a little bit of trepidation as well. Because Why? we all know with you know large companies like Amazon coming in, there are going to be a lot of changes. Many residents in this area have lived in Crystal City for decades, and this mm. is going to impact their daily lives. Mm. Uh, it's going to change the rental and housing market in the area. Yeah. And the building that I live in is your, your typical 1970s concrete tower. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're all over the DMV. Yeah. And the rent is reasonable right now, but in the next year, they've started a renovation project, of course, you know, tied into everything that's happening with Amazon. Yeah. And right now, the rents are going to go up almost 80%. Oh. Yes. How do you feel about that, sir? <laughs> well, you know, they say that they're renovating, but the renovations I've seen, you know, it's just some new paint and a few new light fixtures. I don't think it's worth 80%. Yeah. Um, I will most likely be relocating. Really? Yes. So what I hear you saying is that this Amazon news, either in a direct way or a roundabout way, might force you to move. Correct. Are you mad at Amazon? No, um, you waited I'm a while concerned. to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a Prime member, but okay, um, aren't we all? I am concerned um, for the residents that have lived in my building. Some of them have been here 35, 40 years. Mm -hmm. Many of them are retirees now. They worked for the government or the Pentagon previously, and now that they're on a fixed income, you know, they will more than likely be forced out. And that is my primary concern. I have a great job. Mm -hmm. I can I can move. And, you know, the, these other folks, they might be impacted quite a bit more than me. Yeah. So pound for pound, do you think Amazon in Crystal City is good for Crystal City or bad for Crystal City? I would say 80% good um, and 20% and bad. You know, the, the influx of, you know, 
thousands of, of highly educated, well-paid workers is going to transform this region. You know, they're going to look at infrastructure, education, but obviously, you know, in the short term, there will be some growing pains. Yeah. Um, there's going to probably be a lot of construction. There's going to be thousands of people impacted that might have to move because they can't afford, you know, with the rent increases, the property value increases. So there are going to be some negatives yeah. to it as well. Well, and it's like, so let's say you move away from Crystal City to avoid all that Amazon will bring. There's a good chance that if you stay in the DMV in the DC metro area, you'll still be affected by Amazon. Like rents aren't going to just rise in Crystal City. There's not going to be more traffic in just Crystal City. Like how far would you have to go <laughs> to really escape <laughs> the Amazon effect? Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad place to be. No, not at all. Not at all. all. Okay, Mm -mm. okay. So, okay, last question. What are you going to binge watch this weekend? Well, you know, right now I have been watching the final season of House of Cards. Um, ah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a lot of drama, kind of like what's going on right now. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> uh, Justin, well, I thank you so much for your time and for talking with us and for letting folks know what Crystal City is all about. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Justin Chapman of Crystal City, Virginia. Linda, Glenn, what are your thoughts here in that? If your listeners can't picture what Crystal City looks like, just imagine concrete a city of the future if the future in question is 1968, right? So it's <laughs> exactly right. It's a lot of uh, brutalist architecture. It's a lot of concrete walkways to nowhere stretching over the sidewalks yeah. uh, that'll get you from your office building to the Buffalo Wild So Wings. Justin Chapman was excited that the Amazon move might mean that there's a pedestrian walkway to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it hugs uh, one of the routes to get out of the city. And on your way out of the city, you always pass... Uh, the Americana Hotel. Oh, yeah. The Americana Hotel is this uh, thing that's been plopped down from 1963 in the middle of, uh, right right next to the highway. Yeah. All the rooms look out over it. It's this very 60s designed yeah. uh, hotel it's with like- cute, though. It is kind of, I mean, it fascinates me every time because it's got these bright neon letters, American Hotel and like red and it's blue stars. It's a little. It's like you can just imagine that, that Don Draper is getting up to something nasty in room 402 <laughs> every time you pass by. Uh-huh. And I, w- I don't know, do, are, do we know if they're going to- move into an existing building or or raise something and, and create uh, something new? I, I, it's too early I to know. I assume but... they would use a bunch of the space there because apparently there's a bunch of empty office buildings there. Yeah, I'm sure there yes. is, but it, it, there's not much but to Crystal City. will they settle for that? Right. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. hugs that one route yeah. to either side, and there's not much wiggle yeah. room to get out there. I was kind of hoping that Amazon would go to a city like Detroit or something that was on the come up and needed mm-hmm. the influx yeah. of mm-hmm. high income workers. Yeah. A place like DC is already full of worker bees that make good money. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we're kind of tapped out in terms of like high education employees. They're yeah. all over this area. Well, yeah. and that's one thing that has made life so difficult for other people. Yeah. Which is serious displacement. Yeah. And as much as I worry about, you know, I definitely worry about. A nice apartment like the one that I live in going yeah. from expensive to impossible. Yeah. Um, I worry even more about the pressure that I assume this will place on any effort to make housing that's actually affordable mm-hmm. for low-income people or people with disabilities or other people who um, rely upon uh, affordable housing, which already is a crisis in D.C. All right, on top of me ordering a bunch of stuff drunkenly on Amazon at least once a month, Mm -hmm. Amazon is also a corporate underwriter of my employer, NPR. All right, time for a break. When we come back, my favorite game, Who Said That? BRB. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor ESPN. The critically acclaimed 30 for 30 documentary series is now a podcast featuring original audio stories from the world of sports, the heroes, the controversies, and how what happens on the field can change everything. Listen to the new season of 30 for 30 on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Spotify. On Spotify, you can listen to millions of songs and now also thousands of podcasts. Spotify makes it easy to discover and follow new artists and now offers the same with your favorite podcasts. Listening to the latest in news, entertainment, sports, and culture is as easy as playing music. Music and podcasts streaming right now on Spotify. I'm Maria Hinojosa, and this week on Latino USA, a record-breaking number of women ran for public office in these midterm elections. A reflection on this moment for women with Dolores Huerta, the 88-year-old activist, in conversation with her own daughter. That's this week on Latino USA. All right, we're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I am Sam Sanders here with two great guests for what is becoming a pop culture happy hour takeover of this show. That's right. Linda Holmes, host of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, and Glenn Weldon, frequent panelist on that show. Uh, so glad you guys are here. Yeah, Glenn, mm-hmm. is, a, Glenn is a co-founding uh, panelist, yes. a wonderful writer at the NPR website. NPR's comic a, expert. Exactly, mm. the author of a couple of wonderful books about superheroes. Mm-hmm. Superman, nerd. the unauthorized biography. Yeah. Of course, resident nerd at NPR is a little redundant. Yeah, there's a lot of residents. Yeah. This is a nerd residency. Mm-hmm. Yes. You ready for the game? Yes. Who said that? You know how it goes. I share a quote from the week. You all have to guess who said that or get close, get a keyword, get the story that I'm referring to. I'm not Alex Trebek, not a stickler. Cool. Uh, The winner, of course, gets absolutely nothing. Mm but some bragging rights. Sure. Don't sound so excited. That's all I I really want. Got it. It's okay. I believe in you. All right. First quote. My feeling about my body and about my mind is that I'm about 40 or 45. It's Mr. 6949. Yes. It's Mr. I'm 69, but I identify as 49. So this dude, this 69-year-old Dutch man, whose name is Emil Ratzelband, he went to court to have his age legally changed Mm -hmm. from 69 to 49. He says that by being 69, he's limited in terms of um, his work and what he can buy. He also says, quote, when I'm on Tinder and it says I'm 69, I don't get an answer. When I'm 49, with the face I have, I will be in a luxurious position. There we go. <laughs> the European secret, basically. I saw his face. He's still not getting dates on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, it's fine. It's <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Today on It's Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Today on whatever you want. Exactly. Go on with your bad The audacity of nope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Men gonna men. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right, Linda, you're up one zip. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next quote. Ready? They like to cuddle and even sleep together. We can't separate them, so we need someone who is willing to adopt both. What am I talking about? It's a really cute and fuzzy story from this it's week. Animals. It yeah. is. It's dogs, animals. cats. An uh, unlikely romantic pairing of two animals. Just guess one of the animals. Uh, uh, monkey. Monkey's always a safe bet on the internet. Monkey. One's a cat. No, one's one, a, one has feathers. Oh, uh, one's a bird. A big, <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> come on. But a big thing with feathers. Ostrich. ostrich. A close to ostrich. Emu. Emu. Yes. Oh. 
I'm gonna give it to. I think it's a tie. I think it's a tie. She said emu as opposed to emu, so she gets. Well, which is the correct? I think emu is better. Okay, emu. So there is a really cute story uh, out of North Carolina. There, uh, there's a romantic coupling of an emu and a donkey. Hmm. They fall in love with this animal shelter, and the animal shelter workers can't separate them. Mm-hmm. That quote comes from Jennifer Gordon of the Carolina Waterfowl Rescue. She was talking to the Charlotte Observer, and she basically said, we can't separate these animals. When we do, the emu will cry, and the dog will get all, <laughs> and the donkey will get all sad. So they're asking if anyone will adopt the two of them together. Mm. This is what it sounds like when emus cry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not the not the first bird to love a jackass. Uh, right? <laughs> and by the way, if you didn't see the video this week where the bigger dog steals the smaller dog by grabbing its leash and trying to drag it away, yep. uh, you I want to see that you must, right now. You must look it up. We're it's, take uh, a hard if, pause. If, if you look under "dog steals dog" like on Twitter, <laughs> you can find it. It is amazing. It is my favorite video of the week. I will find. It's it got its own narrative arc. Wait. <laughs> oh, he's like, this is mine. Now. It's like my dog. Now. Oh no! <laughs> and the little dog's the little like, like, help! Yeah! <laughs> oh my god! Help! 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 Oh no! And you can see just from the feet that the owner's like, this is cute. Wait, 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 wait! Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait don't take, don't take him. <laughs> so, um, last quote. Uh-huh. Oh, here it is. I don't want to call it Avatar Two. Is it James Cameron? We gave that. We wrote this one just for you. I don't you. know from Avatar. I'm not an Avatar guy, but uh, I don't want to call it Avatar two because there are four. Yes, separate. So that is a James Cameron quote from years ago. Uh, he is a director of Avatar. Uh, it was announced this week that there are going to be four sequels to Avatar because no one asked for that. It's, people are clamoring, clamoring, yeah, yeah. clamoring. And so. the names of the four sequels are re- are rumored to be. Avatar, The Way of Water. Avatar, The Seed Bearer. Avatar, The Tolkien Writer. Avatar, The Quest for Ewa. Uh, Sure. Uh Uh, (laughs) How do you feel about this? The Seed Bearer is going to get a hard R. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) So, my favorite thing that I heard about Avatar this week is that they actually are retiring. And I I cannot speak to this, Uh, but I heard that they are retiring the papyrus font after the SNL skit with Ryan Gosling about the papyrus font, (laughs) which I thought was extremely funny. It was funny. All right. Um, Linda, you won, but you knew you were going to win. Yeah. I'm telling you, I am good at who said that. You were good at who said that. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, now it's time to end the show as we always do. We ask our listeners every week to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Brent, hit the tape. Hey, Sam. This is Rachel Arpin from Columbus, Ohio. I'm about to take you across the finish line with me at the Nationwide Children's Hospital Half Marathon. Going to hit a personal record as soon as I'm done. Thanks for all you and the team do it. It's been a minute. Hi Sam, this is Grace from Los Angeles, and the best thing that happened to me this week was being able to bring my mom with me to the polls so she could cast her first ever vote in a U.S. election after being in this country for over 40 years. The best thing that happened to me this week was that I got to vote with my three-year-old and seven-year-old. The best part of my week was watching my recently retired parents go on the first backpacking trip of their lives. I got to spend time and catch up with a dear friend from high school who I haven't seen for 13 years. The best thing that happened to me this week is that we went to see Hamilton on tour. I have been listening to the soundtrack forever, 
and it was so awesome to finally see it live and in person. The best part of my week has been spending it in South Lake Tahoe with my son Eric and son-in-law James. We rented bicycles, took a boat cruise on the lake, and visited the casinos, where unfortunately we did lose some money. Hey Sam, it's Marco. The best thing that happened to me this week was the day after my sister's wedding, where a newly formed motley crew of family from all across the country hung out at a pool, drank beer, played with kids, and had the most fantastic time getting to know each other. Hey Sam, this is Autumn. And Matt. And the best part of our week was... Being able to listen to your show with our brand new baby, Cooper. 24 hours old. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for the show and have a great week. Bye-bye. I love it. It's good stuff. My favorite part of the best things this week was that Rachel was able to finish her marathon without interruption. <laughs> I agree. Nobody on her side. This Nobody is me casting stopped. aspersions on the dude who proposed to his girlfriend the middle of her marathon. Yeah. Her of New York City marathon. Yeah. She was in the middle of the New York City marathon and yeah. he stopped her to propose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I look, every love their is love. Own. I get it. Love is love. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. But oh my gosh, that seems terrible to if me. If you ever see me running a race, don't yeah. stop me. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Unless I'm you know, being chased. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to all the voices you heard there. Uh, Rachel, send us some photos of that marathon finish. Grace, Alindrith, Nora, Heather, Melody, Mary, Marco, and Autumn and Matt. Congrats on your newborn. Uh, we listen to all of these that come in. Keep sending them. Share the sound of your voice with me. Just send me some stuff at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. All right, Chris Wu, who gamed the iTunes charts to beat Ariana Grande. I'd be afraid of her fans. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And that song she has is really good. It really is. She seems cool. I like her. I like her. A lot. How are you guys going to enjoy your weekend? Uh, I am personally going to finish cleaning out my closets, and I'm going to take some extra long walks with my dog. You're so responsible. Yeah. I'm going to head the hell out of the city and to Northern Virginia while it's still affordable. Nice. (laughs) Nice. All right. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Alex McCall. Steve Nelson is our director of programming. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. And our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Uh, got one last favor to ask of our listeners. If you like this show, and I hope you do, leave us a review on Apple Podcast through the magic of magic. Your review helps other folks find this show, and that's what we want. Till the next time, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. <laughs> 